Grace Chapel podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We're so glad you're here. Before we get started, we want to remind you of the importance of being connected into a local church body. Podcasts are a gift from God, but are meant to be supplemental and not substitute or replace the gathering of the saints in worship in the Word. With that being said, we pray that this teaching would bless you, equip you, and encourage you in your walk with Christ. Last thing, it ties in with this morning. Um, I know we're a good chunk of the way into the year. Um, and so if this is something new for you, I don't want you to feel like it's too late, you're behind, you can't do it. Um, but as we've been preaching through this year on what it means to a, be a disciple, we have been doing this with a companion guide. It's, it's the book called A Discipleship Journey. And so if you would like to be digging in during the week on your own, you can still do that. Um, while in a sense it builds on itself, each section, each chapter kind of stands on its own. So you haven't missed out, now it's too late. And so we've got extra copies of this book, A Discipleship Journey. Pastor Dave Buring wrote this book years ago. He's one of my mentors. It is just rooted with scripture. There's, he, he would say this, there's no particular like magic or secret to his words. This is just jam-packed with scripture that's organized topically to go here, key elements to being a disciple of Jesus. How do we learn these things for ourselves? And how do we learn to pass these things on to others? That's a part of what being a disciple is. It's not just me growing, it's me learning how to walk alongside of others. And so I'd encourage you to grab a book. Um, you can follow along with us. If you don't have the book, listen, the sermons will kind of stand on their own. You can learn as we go together on Sundays, but I highly recommend that. I would encourage you to grab one. We have them at the connection table out there as you leave this morning. So with all of that said, we're moving into our next topic. Um, we're moving into a four-week series now talking about the church in Acts, the church in Acts. And the reason we're doing this is, is because it's important to understand God's intent for us as a local church community, like Grace Chapel, here is a body, but for us to understand that we are a part of the larger body of Christ and how we fit into his global church, how we fit into the church here in Knoxville. You know, we're part of something larger than just this gathering here. And so we're gonna be talking about during the course of these coming weeks um, about the church's origin, our mission, the message of the church, and then kind of woven throughout all of this, the central role that the Holy Spirit plays in equipping us. The church is the church because the Holy Spirit is in us and moving through us to be who God's called us to be and to have the impact he's called us to have. And so that's where we're going together during the course of the series. So this morning, um, specifically, we're gonna focus on the church's origin and mission. And so if you wanna open up your Bible to Acts chapter one, if you're following on with your Bible, we'll have the scriptures on the screen as well. I'm gonna pray one more time and just to ask the Lord to give us um, his heart in this and to show us not only big picture, like who we're called to be, but maybe some unique ways that he's calling us individually to step into some things. There's, there's a chance that a lot of this will be familiar to you. That by no means means that we're wasting our time this morning. We need to always be open to the Lord and say, Lord, what is it that you're calling me to do as a part of your body? The body needs all the members of the body. And so Lord, is there something you wanna speak to me this morning to encourage me, to challenge me, to remind me of, of who you've called me to be? and the beautiful body of Christ that I'm called to be a part of, all right? So let's pray and invite him to, to give us his heart in this. So Jesus, thank you for the beautiful mystery of the church. God, it's, it's kind of unbelievable the words you use to describe who we are. You call us your body. Wow, what an honor. We can be called your body? We're your embodiment in this world. We're called your bride. You love us. Scripture teaches us that you lavishly loved us so much. You served 
your bride. You loved us sacrificially by giving your life. Thank you for the deep love that you have for us as your bride. God, you call us family. We're your sons, we're your daughters. We belong somewhere. We have, yes, our earthly parents, maybe they were wonderful. Maybe they were horrible (laughs) to us. Maybe we were somewhere in between, but Jesus, thank you that we have a good and perfect father in heaven who parents us well, perfectly. Thank you that we belong to a family. Thank you that we are members of this beautiful thing called the church. Lord, we know that that we're broken at times, we're messy at times, we fall short, we hurt one another. But God, thank you that ultimately we are a part of something special. A body, a bride, a family that you love. Help us to love one another well. Help us to find our place within your body and help us to always look to you, the head of the church, the husband of the bride, (laughs) the father of this family. We worship you, heavenly father. We thank you, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit. We thank you that you are in the midst of your church, that you empower us, you strengthen us, you equip us. May we recognize not just your activity this morning, but your activity in our lives daily, consistently. Come and be our guide this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. All right, we're gonna begin by looking at the origin of the church. And, and the reason we're talking about both, both the origin and the mission is that they really go together. We, we see the mission of the church for thousands of years now, right in the very early days of what was happening as the church was birthed. And so I just wanna take you through Acts chapter one and chapter two. I'll give a little bit of commentary here along the way just to kind of highlight some things, but I really want just the scripture to speak for itself to a degree. Just remind us of the birth of the church and kind of, kind of what it's all about. And so I want you to watch for the elements of the church in this. I want you to watch for God, the significance of God's presence and us cultivating a relationship with him. Watch for that as we read through this. Watch for the members of the church body, like we're connected with one another and kind of how the members interact with each other. And then also watch how the church is meant to have an impact in the world around us. Okay, so kind of watch for those things as we we read through this. So um, I'm just gonna be pulling snippets from chapters one and two. I would encourage you, this would be a place you could, you could dig a little deeper this week, read through chapters one and two on your own and just ask the Lord to really speak to you through this. Um, but here's, here's some stuff in here. So we're gonna start with Jesus' words at the beginning of Acts chapter one. This is taken from verses four and five and then also verse eight. Verse four. Jesus is spending time with the disciples and it says, while staying with them, Jesus ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the father, which he said, you heard from me. So he'd been talking to them about this promise. He says, now's your time to wait for this. Wait for this promise that you heard from me for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And then verse eight tells us, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So one of the first things we see just in the origin here is Jesus is letting them know like, listen, you are the body of Christ, but you're gonna be filled with the spirit of Christ. This isn't just about you, it's about my presence in you. Don't go anywhere. Don't do anything until you receive the Holy Spirit. This is his promise to us and it's a true source of power. Listen, friends, let's not lose sight of this. God has promised to be with us and in us. Man, as I've interacted with the church over the course of my, much of my life, but for sure my whole adult life, I've been a member of a church. I've served in a church. I've been on staff at a church. And 
I have often been aware of my shortcomings in interacting with the body of Christ. And I've also been aware of other people's shortcomings as being a part of the body of Christ. We need the presence of God to, to fulfill who he's called us to be individually and collectively. And he promises to give his spirit. He promises to do it. Our heavenly father loves us and he doesn't promise in vain. And it's the true source of power for the church to be filled with life, for the church to be filled with effectiveness. The source is not us working really hard. We participate, but the source of of power, of impact, is the presence of God in our lives. And so we are meant to embody Christ in the world, is kind of the final thing here, in order to show him to the world. We're gonna receive his presence into our lives, and then we will have an impact on others around us. So Jesus then ascends up to heaven. And so now they're taking him at his word and returning to Jerusalem from this mountaintop experience with him to do what he said, to wait for the promise, to wait for the power and presence of the spirit. And so in Acts chapter one now, verses 13 through 15, it says, when they had entered talking about Jerusalem, they then went up to the upper room where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, the zealot, Judas, this is a different Judas than the one who betrayed Jesus. Judas, the son of James, verse 14. All these with one accord, the sense of, of real unity and connectedness and purpose with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer. They were committed to spending time with the Lord. Together with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers. The company of persons was in all about 120. I love the time that is taken to to identify each of these people by name, to identify who's present. Every name matters. Like, I know Peter, right? I know that name pretty well. He's kind of the big loud spokesman. And sometimes he's stumbling over himself. And other times he's just leading the charge in some awesome ways. And, you know, maybe we know James and John's names too, and Jesus' mother. But listen, every, every name is significant. Every name matters. And, you know, it's, it's of note that after three and a half years of ministry for Jesus, after his death on the cross, his resurrection from the grave and now his ascension into heaven. After all those lives he touched, after all the impact he had, what's left in the upper room? 120 people. Jesus looked at that and said, that's awesome. And it's enough. That'd be a, that's a pretty bad church planting method like to have multiple services where you've had thousands of people and then a couple years later, you're left with 120. <laughs> like if we look at that just from like our American church building mindset, it's like, wow, Jesus kind of failed at planting a church. Like what happened there? You had thousands of people. No, listen, he understood the impact of people who were really devoted to him, the truth that he offered and their relationships with one another to people who'd be willing to say, you asked us to wait, we're gonna wait. You asked us to love one another, we're gonna love and serve one another. You asked us to be devoted to being in the presence of God, we're gonna be devoted to being in the presence of God. And so it was enough. I can't help but notice like 120 people, like that's kind of about where we are these days. Between our adults, you know, our adults were probably a little under 120, but then when we throw in the kids, we're like pushing 150. Like we're kind of in this range, you know? And this 120 people end up touching this huge city. And by the way, there were people passing through that city that were a part of other areas in the world that carried the gospel. It's, it's never about numbers or size. It's about people devoted to Jesus, filled with the presence of God, who love and care about one another, 
and recognize there's a world around us that needs him. This is the church coming to life. Wow. Acts chapter two, the moment of arrival has come. And so in Acts chapter two, you know, we see them gathered together and the Holy Spirit comes. And then we see this huge, you know, like almost like a rally (laughs) outside of the upper room where crowds are gathering. What's going on with those people? And and Peter preaches a message. And so let's just get, get a glimpse of this. So first of all, Acts two verses one through four. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. So these 120 had stayed consistent for days now, for days. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And so they waited faithfully, like God told them to. They were committed together in prayer. They were united, and they just waited on God to show up and give them what he had promised he would give them. And God fulfilled his promise. And the Spirit came, and they were all touched. They were all touched. They all received the Spirit. And then he began to give utterance to speak in these other tongues. And in this passage, I do believe that there is a prayer language that the Holy Spirit gives us a prayer language that we refer to as speaking in tongues. But also in the scripture, we see different times, and this is one of them, where the Holy Spirit gave tongues that were in actual other human languages. And so God uniquely gave them this ability because in this moment, because the Feast of Pentecost was going on in Jerusalem, people had gathered from all over the world that were faithful Jews, but they spoke in other languages because of other areas of the world they were from. And they gather and they hear these people talking in their language and they're like, what is going on with these people? That dude's a fisherman from Galilee. How is he speaking Greek right now? What's going on with that? Or whatever other language they were speaking. They were hearing these other languages. God gave them something they didn't have on their own to reach the world with the gospel. That's what the Spirit does. He gives us the ability to carry forward this beautiful message of the gospel. And so Peter stands up. All of these people are just kind of attracted to the activity. They're confused. They're not totally sure what's going on, but they're attracted to the activity. They see the evidence of something in the lives of these people. They see fruit they see the gifts of the spirit, even though they don't really understand that's what it is. They see it and they're drawn to it and they're asking what is happening here. And now we're just gonna get a glimpse of Peter's sermon. So I'm gonna read a few different verses here just to kind of give us a sense of this. And so uh, first of all, I included verse five in here, just kind of what I was already talking about. But all these people now, there were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. So all these people were gathered They're attracted to what's going on. And in verse 14, but Peter standing with the 11 lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. Hey, I've got something to tell you guys. And then he began to unpack Old Testament scriptures that pointed and referred to the coming of Christ. And he talked about Jesus was the ultimate fulfillment of this scripture and that he, he had come in their day to die on their behalf. And so it culminates in verses 38 and 39. And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. See how inclusive this is? Not we've got this exclusive thing. We have this thing to share that's meant for all. The gracious love of God is meant to redeem your life, to forgive your sins, and you too can be filled with the very presence of God. For the promise is for you and for your children and for us, worthy all who are far off. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And then verse 41 kind of summarizes the results of this. 
So those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Praise God. In, in this story, we see the birth, the origin of the church, and, and we see the mission of the church, okay? There are pr- three primary missions of the church, and we're gonna spend the rest of our time just unpacking each of these three for a little bit, okay? They are, number one, ministering to the Lord. Ministering to the Lord. Cultivating that relationship with him. Devoting our lives to him. Ministering to the Lord. So much of what we saw here was them just devoted to spending time with the Lord. Listening to the words of Jesus, taking them seriously and acting upon them. Committed to prayer and being in the presence of God. Responding to the activity of the presence of God in their lives. Ministering to the Lord, that's number one. Number two, ministering to the body, ministering to each other. They were in one accord. It says that multiple times. They were together. They stood together. Like when people gather, go, what's going on here? Peter stood up, but Jesus said he stood up with the 11. Like they were united together. They were in one accord, caring for one another, praying for one another, continuing in relationship. And so number two, we minister to one another, to the church. And then the third point, we minister to the world. We absolutely should be devoted to each other and investing in these relationships, but we're not meant to be insular. We are meant to live this out externally as well. We're meant to carry with us the presence of God to a world in need. That's the mission of the church. That is what we are called to do, to minister to the Lord, to minister to the body of Christ, and to minister to the world in need. Now we see a picture of this displayed in a really beautiful way in this kind of summary that's at the very end of Acts chapter two. You may be very familiar with this. We, we kind of look to it longingly like, oh, if we could just recapture those Acts chapter two days. But we just see this beautiful picture of this kind of playing out in some really beautiful and practical ways. So just take a look at this. And this is kind of our launching off point for unpacking these three things that are our mission as the church. Acts 2 verse 42 through 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved." So the first thing we see here is their ministry to the Lord. The time that they spent just in the presence of God. We're given some examples of this through here. Um, First of all, they took Jesus' words very seriously. They were devoted to his teaching with the intention of, of acting upon it, living it out. This is what Jesus told them to do in the Great Commission. Teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. That word observe doesn't just mean to look at the words I've commanded you. It it means to do it, to take it in and to live it out. So they took Jesus' words seriously. They loved him. Like the word devoted is in there. Like faithfully devoted to Jesus. The The way I might be devoted to a spouse. Like there's a love relationship there. This wasn't, this wasn't duty, it was devotion. It was love. And so they took his word seriously. They loved him. And then they committed themselves to his call. And so just some of the descriptive words, especially in verses 42 and 47, they were devoted to teaching. They were devoted to breaking bread. That's talking about partaking of the body of Christ and the blood of Christ. It's communion. What's the significance of that? 
It's intimate. It's personal. Like, how do I cultivate a love relationship with the Lord? Well, one key way is recognizing his great love for me. Like, beholding Jesus, this is you, sacrificed for me. In the same way that I'm taking this in and, and bread gives life to my body, you give life to me. And, and as much as your blood represents the sacrifice that in some sense, there's kind of awe and mourning, like, Lord, you sacrificed your life for me, yet he connected wine to blood. Wine is about joy, celebration. I get to celebrate the forgiveness that I have in Christ. It's meant to cultivate that sense of loving intimacy. I break bread. Prayer, that's intimate communication. Prayer is meant to be a two-way dialogue. I share my heart with the Lord, I bring things to him, and I listen for him and his voice. It's the language of intimacy. It's conversational, prayer. And then praise. It says they praised God, verse 47. They were just in awe of who God is and his love for them and the ways they were seeing that play out in their relationships with one another. And they, they stopped to acknowledge and praise him. I, I feel like sometimes I lose sight of the gift I have in getting to minister to the Lord. Like the scripture describes us as a kingdom of priests. Like the priests all had these really unique roles to serve and minister to the Lord. I get to do that. When I get up on a Sunday morning and I come in here and we start putting these curtains up or setting those chairs out, sadly, a lot of Sundays, my attitude is just like, oh, here we go again. <laughs> But every now and then I remember, the Lord reminds me, God, I, I get to serve you. Like there's significance in going, hey, someone's gonna sit in this chair this morning. I could even like say a little prayer over this chair as I'm setting it here. Lord, would you touch that heart, that life this morning? Even some of the most basic, simplistic acts, if we recognize the opportunity, I get to minister. He, he gives me a job. He gives me a role. He gives me a place. He, he views me as useful. In fact, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And he prepared in advance good works for me to do. I get to minister to him. I get to love him back. Not earning, not doing stuff so he's not mad at me or to fulfill an obligation. Forget that. I get to enjoy a relationship and I get to serve him and love him back. That's what Paul's talking about when he writes to the Colossians in chapter three, verses 23 and 24. He says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. You see that? First and foremost, anything we're doing in the kingdom, yes, we serve one another, but the primary aim is I'm ministering to the Lord. I'm serving him. And I love the language of, of again, relationship and intimacy here. Our reward is inheritance. Inheritance is the language of family. Our reward isn't just described as like a gift. It's an inheritance. I'm his child. And he has a beautiful inheritance for me. If you wanna do some further digging on that, I would encourage you, and I've included this in my notes if you print them later. Um, but at the end of my notes, I included almost all of 1 Peter chapter one. It's a beautiful picture of the inheritance that we have in Christ. And throughout that chapter, he's talking about, he's describing how we cultivate this love relationship with him and what that inheritance is gonna look like in our lives. And one of the things he goes on to describe is the holiness that grows in us as we're cultivating this relationship. Give, giving him a life that is wholly devoted to him. 
more and more living out a holy life. It's a, it's a beautiful way to enjoy the Lord, watch what he's doing in my heart, watch how he's changing and molding me. It's a gift back to him, giving myself to him. One of the, one of the places in scripture that I love, that I feel like captures this so well, is the psalmist writes in Psalm 84, verses nine and 10, behold our shield, O God. He's our shield, behold him. Look on the face of your anointed, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. Do you hear the psalmist? He's finding joy in the simplicity of being a doorkeeper in the house of God. But do you see the starting point? It was beholding God. It was seeing his very face. I, I see him. I recognize who he is, what he's like. I'm, I'm cultivating this loving relationship. And then my response is, man, I get to be a part of his court. I get to be a part of his household. I get to serve even in some small way. What a gift to do that. Friends, I would encourage you in this area of ministering to the Lord. I feel like we look past this so much when we think about our role in church and we just kind of get to like, what's the stuff I'm supposed to be doing? You know, is the place I'm at asking me to do some stuff? I guess maybe I should jump in and do some of that. You know, we look to like the, the serving each other part. No, no, no. Friends, as the body of Christ, primary, central, first of all, is ministering to the Lord cultivating that relationship with him. These things described in Acts 2 that they did, those are things that help produce that. So a great, a great starting point maybe, if, if this is something the Lord's maybe triggering in your heart a little bit, a starting point is go, Lord, what are some of these things that help me see you? Being devoted to your word, taking communion. Maybe I even do that beyond just our Sunday morning gathering. Maybe I sit down at home some night maybe by myself, maybe with family or friends and just gather around the bread and cup. Take some time. Lord, remind me again, show me again your love for me, what this means, what this looks like to be connected with you, cultivating a prayer life, praising him. I had this really just beautiful thing happen this week. Um, It was such a blessing to me. Um, and it, it's, it stood out to me reading this passage, looking on your face. So um, earlier this week, you know, I went to trim my beard. I don't know if y'all noticed, I had, a, had more of a beard last Sunday. And uh, picked, picked a clip that was a little, little shorter than I had intended. <laughs> so it pretty much is gone. And so I come out and like, you know, immediately some of my family, like, who's that guy? I don't recognize him and all that. But Abby, she saw me and she always called my beard my mustache. She's like, dad, your mustache is gone. Like, yeah. She's like, you can kiss my cheek now. She saw my face. She noticed the change because she's familiar with my face. And for her, it was like, oh, I don't like your beard. It scratches me. But now that you've shaved, you can kiss my cheek now. She invited me close for that intimate touch. That's it. That's it. Do I, do I recognize his face? Do I see that he loves me? And he, he loves it when I recognize him, when I see him. And he wants to draw close and kiss. And now I get to be a doorkeeper in his house. Listen, I just want to be honest with you guys. Like my role up here preaching, this is just being a doorkeeper. In fact, that's actually one of the ways I, I want to approach what I'm doing. Like to me, when I get to open up the word, all I want to do is just kind of open the door and go, do you see him? You see how good he is? You see how much he loves you? Look at that. I'm just a simple doorkeeper. Any role that we play in the body of Christ, it's just that. I get to be a part of holding the door and letting other people see how awesome that God is that I get to see. God, you love me? That's unbelievable. 
You want to spend time with me? You're cultivating something in me. You're, you're shaping me and molding me. Like you love me and you care about me and we have this intimate relationship. And Lord, what an honor that I can minister to you and be a doorkeeper in your house. Even just a simple act of caring for someone, loving someone can be a glimpse into the goodness of our God. That's ministering to the Lord. Number two, we're called to minister to the church, to one another. We get to serve each other and we get to operate in our gifts. As we minister to the Lord and we cultivate that relationship and the Holy Spirit's presence becomes more and more familiar in our lives, then he wants to move through us to help us love and serve one another. And he'll even uniquely gift us to touch each other's lives. And we get a glimpse of that here as well. In verses 42 and in verse 46, it talks about fellowship and it talks about how consistently they met both in the temple and in each other's homes. They, they gathered for kind of those larger gatherings in the temple. You know, that's us here on a Sunday morning but then they also gathered in each other's homes. They were involved in each other's lives. They were welcoming each other into their homes, fellowship. There were spiritual gifts at work. They were seeing signs and wonders in their midst. That's some of the spiritual gifts. We see other spiritual gifts in practical ways. Cause like, you know, some of the spiritual gifts are like healing, prophecy, things like that. Other spiritual gifts are like hospitality, serving, teaching. We see all of this on display. They were meeting each other's needs. Together, they were caring for each other, and they were generous. They gave of themselves. They gave financially, but like they gave of their time, and they were joyful and generous in their giving. This is the description we see here in 42 through 47. They were, they were so committed to meeting each other's needs, that as the church was growing and they were having impact in their city and beyond, and there was like, you know, the big responsibilities of preaching the word and all of that, they were careful never to neglect meeting one another's needs. And in fact, when they started to recognize areas where maybe they were falling short, they said, we gotta do something about this. So we have a glimpse of that in Acts chapter six where they identified, they raised up some new folks to lead in the church specifically to help meet the needs of like widows, orphans, the needy in their midst. And so in, in Acts 6, 3, we see this. Disciples said, therefore let brothers pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, who we will appoint to this duty. Do you see how even in the simple act of meeting practical needs, that the Spirit's presence was needed. Select people to step into this who've been filled with the Spirit and who, who are growing. They've got wisdom. They've got discernment. They're of good character, good reputation. They're respected. There is a place for all of us to step in, to serve one another, to minister to each other, there's no gift too small. There's no part of the body that should be like cast aside or considered unimportant. Every part of the body is essential. And there's this beautiful thing that happens when we adopt this mentality of giving of ourselves to serve one another. There is a mentality that God wants to like breathe life into in our hearts. And there's an empowerment that comes to walk it out. We see this throughout the New Testament, but one picture of it is here when Paul is writing to the Corinthians about their generosity in giving to the needs of the church. And specifically in this context, they were giving back towards the poor brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. But he was encouraging this general mentality of giving and serving. And so we've got a glimpse of this in 2 Corinthians 9, verses six through eight and verses 10 and 11. Paul says, the point is this, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, but whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Don't withhold because you don't think you have enough. If you withhold, guess what? You aren't gonna have enough. <laughs> but if you give bountifully, he's gonna give you 
more than you need. He's going to give bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly and not under compulsion, both. So like, don't just kind of begrudgingly like, well, I guess I'm supposed to serve, but also don't just do it because like the pastor preached a sermon about it. Not because I'm being told to or forced to, not because I'm guilted into it. It's more than that. There is, God has done something beautiful in my life and I get to serve and participate and he'll give me the resources I need when I do that. For God loves a cheerful giver. It's amazing over and over and over again, God connects generosity with joy. And that's not just something he says in scripture, it's a reality of life. When I look to pursue my own aims and fulfill myself, get the things that I want, the experiences I want, it's shocking how often that does not produce joy. Some of the most miserable people are the people that have a lot, never quite satisfied. But generosity produces joy because it's rooted in his generosity. That's why point two comes after point one. I'm ministering to the Lord. I've received from him his generosity in my life. And now I get to participate in loving and serving the body. Verse eight, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. When I purpose in my heart to have this mentality of fulfilling my part of the body, not more than I'm supposed to do, but also not less than I'm supposed to do. When I purpose to, I'm a part of this body, part of his body, and he's called me to love and serve and minister. And I'm, I'm choosing to do that in response to him. He pours out grace to equip us with the time we need, with the resources we need, spiritually, physically, emotionally, financially. He pours in, he gives grace. Again, see how the Holy Spirit is connected in all of this? He's there relationally as I'm cultivating time in the word of God and prayer, devotion to the Lord. And then his presence shows up to pour grace into my life, to enable me to, to walk this out, to enable me to love others well. Verse 10, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, this is talking about the Lord, he supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. See, it's not just like, well, I'm gonna give and then he's gonna help me financially. I do believe God blesses our finances when we have a mentality of giving. This is a deeper principle. Like church, when we hear giving, I should partially hear financial, but I should hear much more than that. When I hear giving, it is an approach to life. I give of my time. I give of my, my talent, how he's uniquely gifted and called me. I do give of my financial resource. It is a mentality that, that I receive from the Lord. He is a generous giver and I purpose to be a generous giver. And when I do that, there's a harvest. It's a harvest of righteousness. It's a harvest of joy. It's a gift from him. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. As we live generously rooted in love, we are graciously filled and provided for. That's the idea here. Now I was thinking about like, man, what's a good, what's a good picture or example of this? You know, is there a story from my life I wanna share? And you know what? I just kept coming back to over and over again. I, I was thinking of a modern example Anybody in here, y'all know the name Bob Goff? Have you ever heard of Bob Goff? If you don't, um, man, this guy just like lives this out. He's written several just great books. Um, one of them's called Everybody Always. And it's just kind of this generous approach to life and loving well. And he just shares stories that he's seen from other people's lives and his own life. It's just a beautiful picture of this. And so um, probably a couple years ago now, maybe even more, three, four years ago, as a staff, we read through his book, Everybody Always, together. We would joke about it like some people sometimes. 
That's kind of the way I actually live. <laughs> I'm not very good at living out everybody always. Some people sometimes, but we were just learning how to like, man, I, wanna, I want this to grow in me. Like I wanna have this mentality of just a generous spirit and loving well. But when we got to the end of the book, he, he lists in the book his phone number. And he says, you can call me. And so as a staff, we got on speakerphone. We finished the book. We called him at like 10 o'clock, 1030 on a Tuesday morning. He answered his phone. <laughs> well, I'm, this book is a bestseller. He answered his phone. I think he was on the way to the airport or I forget now, but like, you know, like it wasn't a long phone call, but he answered his phone. Hey, this is Bob. Hey, Bob, we're a small church staff planting a church in Knoxville. We just read your book. It's had a huge impact on us. Thanks for answering our call. And he just gave a little word of encouragement and we moved on. It was just, it was incredible. Like, I'm just like, are you kidding me? Like sometimes my phone rings. I say sometimes. A lot of times when my phone rings, I'm like, oh man, I don't have the energy to answer that. Now y'all are gonna question as soon as I don't answer your calls. Sometimes I'm just busy, okay? <laughs> but you know, just sometimes like, oh, it's a change in mentality. I get to be a part of his body, his family. I'm a part of something special. And, and he's gonna give me the resource I need as I choose to do my part to love well. And see, the beauty is, like if, if we all buy into this more and more and we're stepping into like, Lord, what's my part in the body you've placed me in? Like practically, maybe even right here, like what's my part in this body? But what's my part in like the body of Christ? And Lord, how does that play out today? How do I walk with this spirit of generosity and service? How can I encourage and minister to your body today? He's not gonna ask you to do a bunch of stuff you're not supposed to do. He's gonna ask you to do your part, your piece, your place. And here's the beauty of what's gonna happen. It's not just that, that I'm gonna begin to touch other people's lives. As we start to engage in this, we begin to see how it is all connected. And my eyes are open more and more to like, oh wow, look how that person's impacting my life here. Or I, I stepped in to minister to this person and I discovered, oh, you're doing that too? Oh, you're doing that too? Like, that's one of my great joys is sometimes I'll hear of a need in our body and so I, I start kind of going, oh, what should we do here? And I start finding out like five of you have already taken care of it because the body is loving and serving and caring for itself. If you want some additional places to dig into this, again, at the end of my notes, I kind of included some additional resources. And one of them is just a sample in the scriptures of what, what's called the one another's. And we just see in scripture over and over again, the one another's that we're called to. And I'd encourage you to dig into those, but like some examples, we're to serve one another, we're to bear one another's burdens, we're to honor one another. We're to encourage one another. There's all these one another's in scripture that give us a sense of how we walk this out and find our part. Now, I mentioned that we operate in the gifts of the spirit. I just wanna say, as we move through this series, we're gonna talk more about the Holy Spirit's role. And so we'll, we'll talk more in coming weeks, but I just wanna encourage you, let's have the mindset of being a part of the body, ministering to one another and watching how the Holy Spirit graces us with his presence to give us what we need to love each other well. Last one, ministering to the world. It's both central and yet it's also kind of a beautiful byproduct. When we're ministering to the Lord and we're loving one another well, the opportunities present themselves to touch the world with his message. We are to share the love of Christ with the world in both word and deed, word, evangelism, communication, verbal, and deed, like the gifts and fruit of the Spirit operating in our lives. People get to see who the Lord is, right? We, we saw that already. They recognized some activity in these people's lives, and then they gave word to the truth to invite people in. And so it's this beautiful, it is a primary part of the mission but it's a supernatural byproduct of the first two functioning well. Again, just as a reminder, we read it already, but just verses 46 and 47 of Acts chapter two. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God 
and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The world needs Jesus. The world needs the church. They just don't know it yet. And far too often, they don't really see the church for who we're supposed to be, who we're meant to be. But if we cultivate that love relationship with the Lord and we minister to him and we love one another well, then we begin to be carriers of this out into the world. And Jesus gains not just a good reputation, he gains more people in his family. His body grows because we're able to represent him to a world in need. Friends, we, we have to have the mentality that ministering to the world is a part of the whole body and not just a select few. Well, there's those people who are really bold and who know how to speak to others. Now, look, one example of this is in Ephesians verses, uh, chapter four, verse 11 and 12. I'm gonna close with this. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to tell the world? No. To equip the saints for the work of the ministry and for the building up of the body of Christ. The roles we all play, whether we're on staff or I'm an elder at a church or whatever, none of of that matters. What matters is all of us are to be equipped as ministers who build up the body. We communicate that truth to the world around us. The body grows and it's strengthened as we love and serve one another. The church is called to be ministers to the Lord, ministers to one another, and ministers to a world in need. That's the mission of the church. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your unbelievable invitation to be a part of your kingdom, to be a part of this beautiful, although messy at times, this beautiful thing called the church. Thank you that we're part of your body, that we're your bride, that we're a family. God, would you help us walk this out? Lord, if there's something in particular you wanted to put your finger on this morning, or maybe it's just growing in the area of of ministering to you, cultivating that love relationship, serving you for no other reason than just, man, we get to be in your house and we get to be a part of serving and honoring you, praising you. Or maybe it's it's your calling us to, to step in and, participate more in these one another's to build up and serve the body, to fulfill our role in the body you've placed us in. Or Lord, maybe it's just having a little more awareness and a little more intentionality out in the world that God, our lives would speak and that Lord, we would take opportunities to communicate the hope of the gospel. Would we be equipped to minister in these three areas? and fulfill our role as the church. We love you, we worship you, and we commit our lives to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.